Hey guys, welcome back to Late Night Murder. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Nicole. And I'm Chase. And this week we will be heading back to Pennsylvania yet again and talking about Fawn Marie Mountain. As always, thank you for your five-star reviews. It's fantastic. It helps us climb the charts and bring you guys more content. Definitely. Whether you rate and review or just rate, we love it. The stars are for them and the reviews are for us. So thank you. And if you guys want to check out our Patreon and show us a little extra support, you know, you can always check that out. We have full-length episodes, mini-episodes, all kinds of stuff for you guys there. Yep. And you can even go buy us coffee there, too. So check that out because we like coffee. And you like content. We do like coffee. Coffee for content. That's legal, right? Coffee for content? I think so. Okay. Trigger warning. This episode contains descriptions of domestic violence and abuse. So we're going to start by talking about Fawn Marie Mountain. Okay. And I'm going to try really hard in this episode to say mountain, not mountain. Okay. So, so Fawn was born on March 2nd, 1987 in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Okay. Fawn would not only be born in Altoona, but also spend the majority of her life living with her family there. So born and raised in Altoona. All right. Her cousin Bridget was really close with her growing up, like throughout their childhood. They were practically inseparable. All right, right on. Uh, she describes Fawn at this time being a, quote, very outgoing, fun-loving girl with a heart of gold, end quote. Fawn was a really tiny woman. She was about five foot one and weighed anywhere from like 100 to 105 pounds. Wow, yeah. Like a little wisp of a girl. Yeah. Even with her small stature, Fawn was known to be a spitfire, though. Like if someone made her angry enough or someone she loved was in trouble. Okay. Like small but scary yeah. is what would happen. Tiny you know? but mighty. There we go. Small but scary. Tiny but mighty sounds better. <laughs> so Fawn had beautiful, thick, and curly brown hair, and she loved her family, especially her brother, Alan. So in Fawn's teen years, her cousin Bridget, you know, like her best friend, actually became pregnant at the age of 16. Like when Bridget was 16, so Fawn was right around that age. Okay. And while that's a very difficult thing to go through, especially alone, uh, she says she was able to do it because she had Fawn with her, though. Okay. After Bridget gave birth, Bridget's daughter and Fawn immediately fell in love with each other. Fawn was head over heels for her. They were just really close. All right. And it's just seemed like this relationship with Bridget and Bridget's daughter was a really good and positive relationship in Fawn's life, which will become important later. Okay. So we're well, like, it sounds like it's good. Yeah. And we'll, we're like setting a backstory here. Okay. Just keep all of that in mind. Okay. So on the outside, Fawn is bubbly and the always cheerful friend. Like she was there for Bridget. She's there for Bridget's daughter. She's always there. Loves her family. Everything. Got it. However. <laughs> the dreaded however. Your favorite word. However, Fawn is dealing with a lot. So let's talk about some of what she's dealing with. Okay. So according to relatives, 
Fawn's family was described as dysfunctional, to say the least. Okay. And I know last week we talked about a dysfunctional family. Yeah. Never fun when you're labeled as dysfunctional. Mm-mm. Along with the family being labeled as a dysfunctional to support those descriptions, Fawn was actually exposed to a lot of sexual abuse by not only family members, but also family friends, and it was just overall a really shitty situation growing up. God damn it. Here we go with that shit again. Yep. As a result of this abuse, it took a toll on Fawn and how she perceived relationships as she would get older. No doubt. Yeah, so it kind of... Yeah, it created, like, this blurred line for her as to what real love looked like and what boundaries were. Not great. Yeah. Because, I mean, these people who are supposed to love you and protect you are hurting you. Yeah, I don't know what you would think at that point. Yeah. How would you know that isn't okay? Yeah, exactly. Like, this is what you were taught, so it's just shitty. So throughout Fawn's teen years, she would be in and out of abusive and toxic relationships herself. Okay. Just the whole cycle continuing. It was that cycle of once she would leave one abusive relationship, as it became too dangerous for her, she would hop right into another one. And then when that one got too dangerous, she would just go into another one. Just kind of that shitty cycle of events. Got it. I mean, she didn't know better. Right. And unfortunately, not only was this a trend in her love life, this way of thinking also slipped into other parts of her life. Fawn would try to cope with her issues and her past with, and like feelings of everything with alcohol and drugs on occasion as well. So just really not doing okay. Yeah, sounds not, not good at all. Yeah. So one of these toxic relationships would leave Fawn ever more distraught than others that had come before. When Fawn was in a relationship as a young teen with an unidentified male, the relationship would produce two children. Oh, shit. So the man that she was in a relationship with was a very abusive guy. He was a piece of fucking shit. And he was not only abusive to Fawn, but also to their children. Oh, and we don't know who this guy is? No, we don't have a name or anything. And as a result of this abuse by their their father, the man who spawned them... Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids were taken away not only from their father, but also from Fawn. So she lost her two kids because of this asshole that's beating her and her kids. Yeah, that's not good. No, none of it's good and all of it sucks. Yeah, at least they're not there yeah, to, they're not... to have it get worse. Yeah, at least they're not getting abused anymore. But I mean, Fawn is. So, I mean, I guess it's better, but it's still not good. Definitely not ideal, no. Yeah. So despite the fact that Fawn tried so hard to get her children back, she had literally been abused to rock bottom by this man, and she was unable to get anything resembling a sturdy foundation to begin building her life back on. Shit. Because, like, when you're in that abusive relationship, they take everything from you. The shitty person is... They're in control at that point. Yeah, they're the only one willing to help you, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so that's just kind of where she is right now, and it really sucks. A couple of years later, Fawn would become pregnant with another child by the same asshole. Uh, this time to a little girl who would be named Caden. Okay. Unfortunately, Caden was stillborn. And this to Fawn was utterly gut-wrenching. 
friends and family looked back on this time in Fawn's life and say that they saw a huge shift in her personality, her behavior, everything. I mean, not only has she been in this abusive as shit relationship with a horrible dude, but her two older kids have been taken from her and now she lost a daughter to things that, I mean, are utterly out of her control. Right. But it's still just fucking blow after blow for this woman. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's horrible. So with Caden's death, she was cremated, and her urn quickly became Fawn's number one most prized possession, which totally makes sense. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So a lot of people believe this is where Fawn was going to stop this pattern of abusive relationships. They're like, you know what? She's lost three children now and been in these really shitty situations maybe something like a leaf will turn, you know? Right. So I want to put a peg in the story for a moment, kind of now that we know about Fawn and who she is, kind of how her life's going. Okay. And talk about Altoona. Okay. Just to give you a brief description of like what the town is and kind of the feel of the town. All right, sounds good. So Altoona, Pennsylvania is a very small town. It's actually only 10 miles, 10 square miles in size. Okay. That's super tiny. Yeah. Um, it was actually founded as a maintenance complex for the trains back in 1849 by the Pennsylvania Railroad. Sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, like super tiny, literally just stop in, fix your train, carry on. Yep. And in 2009, it was a town that didn't have a ton of places to hang out or things to do. And if there was something to do, everyone knew about it and went and did it kind of thing. Like, super small town. Okay. So one place in Altoona that Fawn frequented was a bar called The Island. The Island. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where she would meet her next partner. Okay. This partner would be named Heather Dibert. 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 I don't know. It's a D-I-B-E-R-T. It's a woman? Yes. Oh, okay. So I don't know if it's Dibert, Dibert, or Dibert. We're just going to call her Heather. All right. So from the way it looked on the outside, it just looked like Heather had come in and sweeped Fawn off her feet. Like, whoosh. Okay. I'm bad at sound effects, but you get the point. Good. I mean, it sounds good. Yeah. Friends and family would recall that their connection seemed, quote, instant, and the relationship developed fast. Okay. Thinking back on the relationship, Bridget would later say, quote, she had never been with a woman, so that was a little strange, end quote. All right. But I mean, you know, whatever rocks your boat. I'm, uh, I'm expecting a however in here. There's always some, some bullshit, you know. There's not a however typed here. Okay. You're looking at me so seriously right <laughs> now. So Fawn seemed really happy in this new relationship with Heather. Good. However, those around Fawn... Oh, there is a however. No, there it is. <laughs> however, those around Fawn had some reservations, which makes sense. Why is it? Because they don't like... They have a problem with her being gay or bisexual or something like that? No, or is it? It's nothing like that. So it's just because time and time again, Fawn had gotten out of one abusive relationship and straight into another... No. So, I mean, it makes sense that her family was nervous about this new one. Well, you're just teeing it up with the small town comments and all that. I thought maybe people weren't uh, oh. weren't too into that, you know? I found nothing about that. 
Okay. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. So after Heather and Fawn began their relationship, Fawn began to change quite drastically. Okay. She began focusing more on Heather and would often forget about her friends and family. Okay. Within just a few months of dating, they moved in together. Despite how optimistic Fawn was, Fawn's mother, Dorothy, specifically, was resistant to this idea of them moving in together. Okay. Again, just having those reservations. So Okay, so it's just a new relationship. They're, they're going pretty quick. Yeah. Dorothy wasn't sure what it was at the time, but she said there was a strange feeling in her gut. Which, side note, if you ever have a feeling in your gut, go with it. Oh, God, is Heather a dick, too, then? We're, we're, we'll tell the story. I'm just saying, like, my personal experience, yeah. If you feel like something's not right, probably something isn't right. Yeah, you know? go with your gut. I would agree with that. That's a phrase for a reason. Yep. So either way, even against Dorothy's, not wishes, but Dorothy's gut feeling, Fawn moves in with Heather. Okay. So for a while, they bounced from apartment to apartment. And when they finally landed in a trailer park in neighboring Claysburg, which is about 20 to 30 minutes away from Altoona. Okay. Heather's family owned a butcher shop in Claysburg, where Heather and her brother would work frequently. All right. Heather's brother, Mike, had a girlfriend at the time named Stephanie. Okay. And while Stephanie and Mike grew closer, they moved into the trailer just next door to Fawn and Heather. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That would be that would be nice. You're yeah. Like, hey, my brother's trailer over there. Yeah. Get to see each other. That's cool. My brother and his girlfriend, me and mine. I yeah. think that'd be cool. Yeah. So Stephanie loved Fawn and was super comfortable around her, like just instantly loved Fawn. Okay. Like as so a sister like type friends. friend. Yeah. Right. So even though Stephanie was dating Heather's brother, Stephanie did not like Heather very much. Oh, shit. See, now you're making me think that everybody is seeing something that that Fawn is not. So let's talk about... And it's another thing, too, if everybody else is telling you this shit. If everybody thinks that your person's an asshole, odds are, you know, they're an asshole. Maybe it's take not, a step back. It's not everybody else that's an asshole, you know, most of the time, I'll say, that they probably don't like them for, for some sort of reason. Yeah. So Stephanie would go on to describe Heather as being a tough woman to live with. Okay. And also describing her as being short-tempered, rough, and cold. That doesn't sound very fun. Yeah. Doesn't sound very good. Stephanie also mentioned that Heather's previous partners had ended the relationship not with a text, but with a restraining order. Oh, shit. Good Lord, what a sentence. So as Stephanie was more a fan of Fawn rather than Heather, Stephanie joins the list of people worried for Fawn in this new relationship with Heather. Soon after Fawn and Heather had moved in together, Heather's mood changed. In the beginning of the relationship and before they lived together, Heather had showered Fawn with attention and just being so overwhelmingly nice. Okay, this sounds pretty familiar. If you're a patron, yeah, it does. Yeah, if you're a patron, you'll know. But, like, it's just, oh, God. And then they get him alone, right? And it just turns into a shit show. Yeah. So as Heather's mood shifted from this loving person, she actually became blatantly manipulative and kept Fawn under her control at all times. 
All right. And when I say control, I'm not talking about calling her at all hours and tracking her location. No, that's not the level of control we're talking about here. Okay. What we're talking about is a different level of cray-cray. Okay. So Heather didn't need to share Fawn's location with her. She brought Fawn everywhere with her. Okay. Wherever Heather went, whether it be work, to the store, everywhere Fawn. She brought her to work with her? Yep. If Heather wasn't able to bring Fawn inside the building, like when Heather went to work, she would leave Fawn in the car and turn the alarm system on so that it would alert her if Fawn was trying to leave the car. Fuck that. No. Ridiculous. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, going along with that, as you can imagine, Fawn was also not allowed to work herself or socialize with any other person. Well, no shit. When, you, when would she even have the time? Exactly. That's ridiculous. Like, what are people thinking about Heather? You know, like she's at work and she's got her girlfriend locked in the car outside. Well, she works like at your, her family's butcher shop. You're a psycho. Looney bird. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, no, I don't. So it's safe to say Heather never trusted Fawn. Uh, okay, is there a reason for that? No. She should trust her. She's there all the time. Yeah. Good well, Fawn's God. Fawn's literally so loyal. I swear, there's some shit. Like, I will never not be surprised at what you tell me. I swear. I know. We'll never go out of business, guys. Don't worry. Jesus. So now I know you're thinking, like, why would Fawn put up with this? Because No, I'm not. I'm not thinking that. I just think that, that she's been conditioned to respond that way and be like, this is it's just good. It's fine. Yeah. And like we said, just like her last relationship, you know, with the man she had kids with, Fawn's a diehard loyal person. And along with her previous experiences in the dating world and this undeserved loyalty that Heather was getting... Fawn didn't have any money or resources to leave Heather. Hmm. She couldn't work. She couldn't talk to anybody without Heather. Ugh, she was alone. Feels so suffocated all the time. Mm-hmm. Fawn genuinely believed that Heather had Fawn's best interest at heart and was doing all of this to protect her, too. You know they can be manipulative little ass fucks. Good God. On top of taking her everywhere and locking her in the car, the abuse Fawn would suffer at the hands of Heather was beginning to turn physical as well. Ah, wonderful. So one time, Dorothy was visiting with Fawn and noticed she was covering her neck and her hands with long, oversized hoodies. Mm-hmm. Along with Dorothy's persistence, Fawn showed her the bruises and scars that had been left behind by Heather. Hmm. Do you remember that TV show they used to have on MTV where they would take a bully and then make them fight a professional fighter? I we, think so. We need that to come back, but for <laughs> for these domestic abuser people. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, could you imagine? Can we make a petition and have everyone sign it? Yeah, it's like you you hit your partner, then you got to fight Conor McGregor. I oh, feel like, fuck. you know, people might think a couple different times. Plus, that would be the most watched show ever. Oh, yeah. No, the ratings would be through the roof on that one. Mm-hmm. So during this physical abuse, Fawn had to go to the hospital so many times because of her violence, Heather's violence, 
that when the hospital staff began to ask questions, you know, trying to pry into what was really going on and get Fawn some help, mm-hmm. Fawn never said anything because Heather was in the room with her. I was going to say that as a joke. Oh, no. I was going to say they couldn't, she didn't say anything because she's just sitting in the corner glaring at her like an asshole. Yeah, no. Heather would not allow Fawn to be alone no matter what. I can't believe this. So Fawn would lie to staff at the hospital. And then the next time that Fawn would have to go to the hospital because of an injury, they would go to a different hospital because that last hospital staff was asking questions. Oh, my God. It's horrific. Yeah, that's terrible. Eventually, Fawn came to terms with the fact that she could not carry on like this. She could not live with Heather anymore. Okay. I can tell you're like kind of scared and kind of excited for her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping something good happens. I mean, these statistics say that the moments immediately leading up to leaving and right after you left your abuser is the most dangerous time for someone. That would make sense. So the violence and the abuse had just become too much for Fawn to handle. And I just want to say that if you're going through anything like this, any abuse is too much abuse. Absolutely. Nobody should have to deal with that shit. Yeah, no, definitely. So Fawn came to this point in the relationship where she's like, you know, I've had enough. I can't live with her anymore. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. So Fawn tried to sneak away any time that Heather wasn't paying attention to her. Any time Fawn was able to sneak away to either a friend or a family member's home, Heather would just show up and take her back to the trailer. Ugh. Life was truly miserable at this point for Fawn. She had nothing. She knew it was shit. She wanted to get out, and she couldn't. Yeah, it sounds... She wasn't able to. Horrible. Yeah. After a couple times of Fawn sneaking away and trying to get free from Heather, Heather threatened Fawn and said that if she ever left the trailer again, Heather would dump Caden's ashes into the trash. Oh my god, what a horrible thing to say. Fucking horrible. Now, remember that these ashes are the only thing in Fawn's life that held any sentimental value. And honestly, she would probably go into a burning building to retrieve them. Like, they meant the world to her. Yeah, that's that's terrible to even say that. Yeah. It feels very claustrophobic, you know? I know. It's like she's got nothing she can do. I know. Like, we're going to go have to... We're going to have to take a walk outside after this, I feel like. But the thing about it, though, is from what it sounds like, any one of her family would have protected her mm-hmm. if she would have come to her. Like, so with this threat of dumping her daughter's ashes, Fawn was terrified and actually convinced herself to stay with Heather. Oh, damn it. So in February, fast forward a little bit, like all of this is going on over the span of one and a half to two years. Mm-hmm. And we're going to fast forward to February of 2011 when Fawn couldn't take it anymore. She could not do this anymore. All she wanted to do was to get out of this situation and start a new life. Like she wanted to flip that leaf. Yeah. So one day, Heather went to work, dragging Fawn along with her mm-hmm. lock- and locked her in the car as she had many times before with the alarm system on. And even with the fear of the alarm sounding, Fawn decided to take a chance and escaped. Like, she got away. Good. 
Stefan called her friend to come pick her up, and she did. Okay, great. The friend and Fawn stopped at the trailer to pick up Caden's ashes, but when they got there, they realized that Heather was the only one with a key to the trailer. Ah, shit. So, what does Fawn do? She's not leaving without those ashes. So she tries to break in. So while Fawn was trying to break the lock, Heather called the police on Fawn and told them that she was breaking in. Oh my god. Fawn was charged with felony burglary and trespassing and was fined $2,700. She was charged for that? Uh Uh-huh. No one believed Fawn when she tried to explain that she, in fact, lived there. God damn it. Yep. Wasn't her brother home there? Couldn't he validate that she lived there? And Heather's an abusive piece of shit? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. If she, like, blatantly did any of this in front of her own family, or she tried to hide it all, and Stephanie just saw through the bullshit, or was such good friends with Fawn that Fawn told her about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Heather was blatantly a fucking dick to okay. Fawn in front of Heather's own family. Got it. Around the same time, Fawn's mother, Dorothy, mm-hmm. receives a restraining order from Fawn. Heather had sent this to Dorothy on behalf of Fawn. Of course she did. Yeah. So she got Fawn to file a restraining order. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's some top-notch manipulation there. Pretty shitty, yeah. So now Fawn had absolutely no one, no lifeline, and no support other than Heather. Horrible. So let's fast forward to 2012. Okay. Fawn tries to escape again, and despite the restraining order, she goes to her mom's house. She goes to Dorothy's home. Because, I mean, she's so helpless and felt like she had nothing else. She's like, I don't care. I need to go see my mom. Yeah. So, what do you think Heather does at this point? I imagine she calls the cops. She does. She calls the police and has Dorothy arrested for violation of the restraining order. Fucking ridiculous. And Dorothy sat in jail for two days. Unbelievable. It was after this incident that Dorothy knew for a fact that Fawn needed help and was in some serious danger. With desperation, Dorothy phoned police and asked them to do a welfare check on Fawn. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right, if I can't go, can you please go check on her? So the police did a check and assured Dorothy that Fawn was fine. And this last welfare check police would perform would happen in November of 2012. Damn it. So just before Thanksgiving that year, which was still in 2012, Fawn, Heather, and Heather's family spent some time together getting ready for the hunting season. Because remember, they own a butcher shop. Yeah. To thank everyone for their help, Heather's father offered some beers and some beverages. Like, hey, hang out. Let's... Have some drinks, let's get the shop all cleaned up. Let's make it fun, you know? Yeah. And against Heather's wishes, Fawn decided to partake in some drinks and actually enjoyed herself that day. Good. Yeah. Later that evening, Fawn, Heather, Stephanie, and Mike headed back to their trailers. Fawn told Stephanie that she had really enjoyed the day and wanted to spend the rest of the night watching a horror movie and to just relax. Okay. Stephanie recalled Fawn was super cheerful during this time, like this, on the way home. 
And this would be the last time that Stephanie saw Fawn. Oh, shit. On November 26, 2012, Heather's parents would come to pick their kids up for work. Mm-hmm. When they got there, they saw Heather outside the trailer just casually smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. What was odd about this is that Fawn was nowhere to be seen. Fuck. I mean, after all, Heather brought her literally everywhere she goes. Right. So why would she be, Heather be outside if, like, Fawn would be outside? Ridiculous. So when Stephanie asks about Fawn, Heather admits that Fawn ran away in the middle of the night. Okay. Heather claims that she looks for her but couldn't find her anywhere. Doubtful. Right? This is where things kind of get a little, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Because, like, in the past when Fawn tried to escape, Heather had literally drug her back to the trailer at times. Yeah, I'm sure she wouldn't just give up that easy. Yeah. You know, being that big of a piece of shit. Yeah. And Stephanie knew something was wrong at this point. She's like, mm, if Fawn had actually run away, you would be out looking for her. Like, Heather would go mad crazy looking for Fawn when she would disappear. So let's talk about some other sketchy shit that Heather does. Okay. In the days and weeks following Fawn's... Disappearance? Runaway moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, escape, right? Definitely not what it is. I really don't think so. Big old fucking air quotes here, bud. Yeah, I don't think that's right. So, like, for the years throughout their relationship, because they've been dating for three years now, Mm-hmm. If Heather couldn't find Fawn, she would lose her mind. This time, Heather didn't call any of Fawn's family, Fawn's friends, or even the police to report Fawn missing. Mm-hmm. And we know Heather doesn't mind calling the police. Yeah. She So Heather seemed to be completely cool and totally okay that Fawn was not there. Yeah, because she did something shitty. So strangely, Fawn didn't even take anything from the trailer when she ran away. Mm-hmm. Air quotes for people who can't see me. Yeah. So she didn't take any jackets, which without these, she most likely would not have survived a wintry night in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's fucking December. Yeah. In the Northeast. Yep. She also left behind Caden's ashes. Impossible. You know, the ones that she had previously gone back to retrieve, which is ultimately what got her caught by Heather and charged with trespassing beforehand? Yep. Yeah, she just left them there. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. She didn't take them. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Stephanie, being Fawn's only real friend at this point that kind of knows what's going on, calls Dorothy and says, hey, do you know where Fawn is? Like, did Fawn come to you? Mm-hmm. And Dorothy says she has no clue where Fawn is. She had no clue that Fawn was missing. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? That's a horrible call to get. Yeah. Like, hey, is your daughter with you? Because she's not here and Heather's not. Like, her abusive piece of shit partner is not. Yeah, not looking for her. Yeah, which is scary. I mean, it's scary when Heather's looking for her, but it's also scary when Heather's not looking for her, you know? Right. Like, what does Heather know? Yep, I'm sure Heather knows. So after this call with Stephanie, Dorothy calls police to report Fawn missing. But since Fawn is an adult at this point, police didn't file any report and basically dismissed all of Dorothy's pleas. She's 
they're saying like she's an adult if she doesn't want to contact you and she wants to leave out of nowhere then that's cool oh of course because she's got the restraining order right and so they're taking it less serious i'm sure i guess i don't know that doesn't make any sense to me well no it's actually a unfortunately a common thing when adults go missing it's hard to report them missing unless you can prove that something sketchy happened that's that's a shame yeah it's pretty common the more cases we talk about you'll see the trends unfortunately but i don't think the restraining order helped and there was nothing on file of heather being abusive to fawn right so okay So a week after Fawn's disappearance, Heather started behaving very strangely. Even for her, strange. Mm. Randomly, Heather asked her father to remodel the trailer completely, and they even began building a dog run in the backyard with concrete. However, the project was never finished. They pretty much laid a big old slab of concrete and called it good. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Not at all. And a week after this very odd remodeling request, Heather decided she was done living in Pennsylvania and moves to Ohio. Oh my God, come on. Within a couple of months of moving up there, Heather began a new relationship with another woman. She didn't seem to care about Fawn's disappearance at all. Oh God, poor woman. A few months later, Heather comes back to Pennsylvania to help her family close up the butcher shop. And whenever anyone asked Heather about Fawn around Altoona, Heather would respond in a various amount of ways. She would say that Fawn was in jail, or that Fawn had run away with another guy, or any of the other random things that Heather seemed to come up with in that moment. The answer was never, Fawn's missing. I don't know where she is. She would always say, like, Fawn's in jail, Fawn ran away with a guy, like, Fawn left me. Well, this is a pretty horrible situation here. Yeah. So most people in the town didn't even know Fawn was missing for a couple of years. Years? Years. So that was Thanksgiving weekend of 2012. Uh-huh. We're going to fast forward to 2015. Okay. In 2015, Fawn's uncle contacted Heather. Fawn's stepdad was in the hospital, and the uncle wanted to meet Fawn. Like, the stepdad was not doing good in the hospital. Oh, okay. And neither Heather nor Dorothy had notified the family that Fawn was missing for the past three years. Fucking okay. Yet, at this point, while Heather is on the phone with Fawn's uncle, she didn't mention that Fawn was missing. In fact, she acted like Fawn was there and just not able to come to the phone at that moment. She even affirmed to the uncle that she would pass his message along to Fawn. He's like, yeah, I'll let her, I'll let her know you called. I'll have her give you a call back. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. Somebody better start be putting this together. I mean, good Lord. Right? So when a couple other members of the family didn't speak to Fawn after multiple attempts, they actually show up in person to Altoona, Claysburg area. They're like, all right, where the fuck is Fawn? Mm-hmm. And this is when that they found out Fawn was missing. Wow. So after three years of being missing, police finally filed a complaint and began investigating. Holy shit. Yep. 
So the police began by interviewing everyone who knew Fawn and took signed statements. You know, normal police stuff. Mm-hmm. However, they hardly did more than that. Since Fawn had been missing for so long, there was little to no clues left, and the case quickly turned cold. <sighs> Fawn's cousin Bridget, that we had talked about in the beginning, mm-hmm. had fallen out with Fawn over the course of her and Heather's relationship. So she didn't even find out that Fawn was missing until 2017, five years after. Holy hell. Yeah. That's crazy. They were the ones that were really close, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were the ones that like grew up together. Mm-hmm. And then when Bridget had her daughter, Fawn was right there. Right. So when Bridget found out about Fawn's disappearance, Bridget wanted to do anything and everything in her power to find Fawn. She immediately became Fawn's advocate. She quickly realized what she needed to do and that she needed to push police to continue the search for Fawn. Bridget also reached out to Stephanie to gather more information. I think by this point, Stephanie and Mike had broken up. Oh, okay. So Bridget still reached out to Stephanie to get any information that she could. And the two of them, Bridget and Stephanie, reached out to other people and kind of started their own investigation. They're like, you know, if police aren't going to do jack shit, then we're going to do it. Yeah. Yep. So since five years had already passed by this time, details were foggy for those who remembered what they could of that time. Yeah. Not good circumstances, but I'm glad they started looking, you know? Okay. Almost everyone that Bridget and Stephanie reached out to responded to their inquiries with, I've already talked to the police. I've already said everything that I know about this. Bridget then went to the police and asked them for their information. She was like, hey, can I get a copy of the case file? And I get a copy of those statements. Unfortunately, the police told Bridget that the records were missing. The statements that had been taken previously were gone. Oh, come on. Also, side note, the officer who was in charge of Fawn's investigation originally in 2015, when it was finally reported, had since been fired from the police force, and no one was ever assigned to take over the case after that. I mean, it's simple to say that Fawn's case fell through the cracks and was neglected for a couple of years. Okay. In August of 2017, Bridget pushed police for an investigation to ensue, and with persistence, the state became involved. Good. So with this involvement from the state, it seemed that police were making some sincere efforts into Fawn's case. And with all of this involvement and everything kind of kicking back up, there was a $10,000 reward for any solid leads in the case. Okay. In late 2017, Heather was evicted from the trailer park for her violent behavior. And after Heather had vacated the trailer home, police searched not only the home, but also the grounds, which included the concrete dog run that was built soon after Fawn had gone missing. Mm-hmm. This search, unfortunately, turned up nothing. Ah, damn it. Really? Yep. So while police were pursuing all the leads they could dredge up after five years, Bridget and the other members of Fawn's family began contacting media outlets to spread the word and get more people talking about the case. They were able to do several interviews and requested for anyone to reach out with anything they may know. Okay. As one does. Yeah. In 2018, Fawn's family started support groups and are now actively raising awareness on social media while still searching for Fawn. And this is 2018. Mm -hmm. 
2021, Bridget did an interview with WJAC, which is a local news station, mm-hmm. and had this to say about where the case stood. Quote, there's a mother, a brother, and cousins, a whole family and friends that are suffering in a tremendous amount of grief now, and we just want answers. We want to know what happened to her, and we want to get that closure. End quote. Getting nervous here, because we're at uh, 2021 here, so we're looking at last year. And this is where the case stands today. No, it doesn't. Fawn is still a missing person. No. Yeah. So there's actually not a ton of coverage about this case, which is what made me want to cover it. Like when I tried to look up podcast episodes, I only found two talking about her case. Like this case needs to be screamed from rooftops. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, There is a Facebook group run by Bridget that you can go join to share what you can and show the family support. And we'll put it in our show notes. (sighs) And as it stands right now, that $10,000 reward has increased to 20000 for any information leading to the conclusion of this case. Uh, the Charlie Project, which we've talked about on this show before, features Fawn's case. Her missing poster lists Fawn as 5'2 and 105 pounds with brown hair, blue eyes. She's noted to have her ears and lip pierced with a large tattoo on her back of angel wings and the words R.I.P. Caden and a tattoo on her neck with the name Brayden. Her nickname is listed as Bambi. We need some justice for this girl. I can't believe this right now. Yeah, so please, if you're in this area or you used to live in this area and may know something, even if you think it is a small something, please reach out to police and tell them anything that you may possibly know. I know Fawn's family and the police would rather have too much information to sift through than missing that one piece. So you can reach out to the Pennsylvania State Police at 814-696-6100 with any information, and we're going to put the phone number in the show notes as well. And I mean, 2022 seems to be a big year for true crime already, and we aren't even halfway through. I would love to have some movement in this case, if not be able to find Fawn and give her family closure, no matter the answer. Yeah, I agree. Damn it. I know. Okay. Well, damn it. That's all I can say. I know. It just, it really sucks. Bring Fawn home, guys. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's do that for her family and for her. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to check us out next week as we head back to New York and talk about Brittany Drexel. To stay up to date on everything happening at Late Night Murder Podcast, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Late Night Murder Podcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at LN Murder Podcast. And if you have a case that you've heard a million times and you just want to hear our perspective and us cover it, or if you have a case that needs more voices and needs to be told more than it has been, please go to the link in our bios on any of the social medias and submit a case. We'd love to cover it for you. Thank you so much for all of your support and your reviews. It really means the world to us. We love seeing those pop up. The stars are for them and the words are for us. Keep those coming. The show will always be free, but if you want to check out our Patreon, there's lots of bonus content there. 
And even if you become a patron now, you get access to the entire back catalog. You can listen to Late Night Murder Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Okay. See you guys next week. All right. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.